So good weekend for, for mostly everyone, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. Very good, very good. Well, we are going to continue on in our James series. Uh, I am getting a timer going so that I don't keep you guys here all day. Uh, but yeah, so we're continuing on, and this is week six. How crazy is that? Week six. And starting week seven of our fall semester. It's almost halfway, right? Like, wow. Gone by quick. Um, but I am excited because that means we're, we're almost to the point where the tipping point where it's like we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, right, for Christmas break. Um, but yeah, so, so we are in week six of our series through the book of James, and we are, we didn't have necessarily like a specific phrase or like subtitle for it, just James, um, but I think some themes that we're seeing is it's about like how we can make our faith active. And so, so far, we've looked at how James calls the followers of Jesus to become truly wise by living according to Jesus' short summary of this Torah, love God, love others. We saw how trials and temptations actually build us up in our faith when we seek to be faithful to God through them. We saw that we pass tests of faith by asking God for wisdom, by living a life that is humble, and through the Holy Spirit discerning what is evil and what is good. And that's actually what we're going to dive deeper into today. Um, But next, Adam looked at the importance of not just listening to the word, but actually doing what it says. We saw that we shouldn't be favoring anybody, and, but instead seeking to give value to all people. Next, we went through faith and deeds, and that faith without works is a faith that is dead. And this led up to two weeks ago, where we looked at taming the tongue and how this will always be a struggle for us, because what we say matters, and words can destroy, but even better, they can build life. But James even says, like, it's impossible to tame the tongue. And so that's where it's like we got to be extra careful with what we say and what leaves our mouth. And so now we're going to go through the two kinds of wisdom that James talks about in James 3. Wisdom from the evil one and wisdom from God. And so first, wisdom. It's the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. And in the New Testament Greek, uh, it's Sophia. Is anybody by chance named Sophia here? No? I was going to say that'd be pretty cool. Um, But in the Greek, it was referred to any expertise in a specific domain of knowledge or craft. And so our Greek and English translations are pretty, pretty similar in, in uh, like what, what they mean and like aspects to pay attention to when it comes to wisdom. Wisdom comes from experience. Wisdom comes from knowledge. Wisdom knows how to make good choices. That's just wisdom in general. In the original Star Wars trilogy, A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and The Return of the Jedi, Luke Skywalker struggles with this tension of good and evil. He has that heart of wanting to do good, right, for the galaxy, but he struggles with his humanity that leans towards negativity and often haste. And The Empire Strikes Back, after a battle with the Empire, Luke 
along with R2 and his X-Wing starfighter, leave Hoth and they head to the Dagobah system where he would spend time with Master Yoda, who had been living in exile since the events of the Clone Wars, um, had put the Jedi in trouble. And so Yoda is like Luke's wise leader, his sage, if you will. And he dishes it well and gives lots of nuggets of wisdom to Luke of what it means to be a Jedi. At one moment in the movie, Luke is standing on like one hand, balancing Yoda on his foot and stacking rocks using the force. And I'm like, dude, how? I mean, force, obviously, but like how? Um, And like he says that like, like he needs to get his ship out of the water. And he says it's different than moving rocks around. And I'm like, dude, you're just standing on like one hand, a dude standing on your foot, moving rocks around, like how your brain can function and be able to do all that seems pretty similar to me. Um, But he struggles with the the belief of like how crazy big this thing is where like rocks are tiny little guys and they don't really weigh anything. The ship weighs thousands of pounds. And Yoda responds to, to Luke complaining about this. He says, no, no different, only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned. And Luke says, all right, I'll give it a try. And then Yoda, that famous line, no, try not, do or do not. There is no try. And then Luke attempts to lift the ship and it doesn't go well. It barely comes out of the water and then it like falls back in and Luke stomps off like an angry teen, like you want the impossible. And so Yoda cracks his knuckles, you know, says, hold my cane. And uh, ends up lifting the entire ship out of the water. And so good wisdom in this scenario, Yoda knows through experience and learning that the force is everywhere. He's embraced it. It's not just limited to rocks and pushing people over, but it's the energy and life force that, that Yoda is attuned to that gives him the ability, as short as he is and as old as he is, to still be able to lift that ship out of the water. At a different point, Yoda urges Luke to be aware of the dark side of the Force, which leans into fear, aggression, hate, and haste. Then, as wisdom, he tells Luke that he would be able to tell the difference between the dark side and the good side, because the good side and the Jedi are meant to be calm, at peace, and passive in the sense where they don't attack purposely, but they use their knowledge of the Force for defense. Instead of dominating others, it's meant to bring justice and life to people who are facing oppression. Yet Luke still struggles with this tension between the good side and the dark side. I think in our lives of following Jesus, there's a sense there that that pertains to us, right? Where it's easy for us to think like this this specific sin maybe looks intriguing and we want to go with this way, um, but God's calling us to a different way, right? That tension that is there. So what wisdom are we going to listen to? Is it good wisdom that comes from God, or is it wisdom that comes from culture? Because good wisdom from God leads us to live a life of shalom, shalom, perfect peace. And so we're going to talk about that word a little bit later, but it's one we we love to talk about here, because it's ultimately like things are as they should be, things as God originally created them to be. And so let's pray, and then we'll, we'll look at James 3. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for all these men and women who are here this morning that want to learn more about you. 
um, to be challenged by you and to not just be uh, something that, that we check a box off, God, but that we would let you truly transform and renew our mind and our heart to serve you and to love you and to, to love this world. It's your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So as always, we have our notes in the U version and the events tab. Um, so if, if you go there, you'll, you'll have like all the points and quotes and other, other stuff like that. Uh, but we're looking at James three thirteen through 18 today. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. So last week, or two weeks ago, sorry, we looked at taming the tongue, and here we're learning about wisdom from the world and wisdom from God. If we seek wisdom from God, we will better learn how to tame the tongue, which is like James is like leaning into. If we know this wisdom, then we'll be able to, to tame the tongue and not just be spitting off bars or spitting off whatever uh, evil, but actually being able to tame the tongue, which he says is, is in it, like if we can tame the tongue, then we can control the body. And so when it comes to wisdom, James makes it known there are the two sources that we need to discern where our wisdom, where our motivation is coming from. Some aspects of wisdom from the evil one will, of course, be enticing and tricky to discern because that's how he functions. If he can't get you to sin with the obvious, he'll be mischievous and clever to get you to sin with the not-so-obvious. That's why we need wisdom. And so the first kind of wisdom that, that James makes clear is there is wisdom from the world or wisdom from the evil one. James speaks into this when he says that the one that is wise and understanding should show it with their life through humility. Not the other way around, which is harboring envy and selfish ambition in our hearts. The wisdom, James says, is earthly, unspiritual, and even the harder word to say, demonic. <laughs> that's, that's pretty intense. I know I don't want to be seen as seeking wisdom that is demonic. Envy can also be translated here as jealousy. Envy, or jealousy as it is being used here, condemns, hurts, and even demeans others. If we're envious, we need to know why. Why is a particular person or thing causing me to live envious? It's tricky because there's not like anything wrong with like seeing someone you know who has qualities you'd like to grow in, or like someone who's a mentor, but these things shouldn't lead to envy. Instead, you know, they should lead us to, like, look inward at ourselves and prayerfully seek, like, what is it that I want to change and why I want to change it? For example, maybe, maybe you see someone who walks in a room 
and people are like drawn to them. Do you, do you know those people? Like people just automatically like flock to them. Yeah, yeah. And it's because like the joy they pour out, the love they pour out, the gentleness they pour out. And so maybe you pray and ask God like is, if, if this is something like you should seek to grow in. And not out of like pride, but because you want to love others the way that they love others. When it comes to selfish ambition, we must be very careful. Because I don't think all ambition is bad. Often we're, we are wired with the limited perspective that doesn't see things in light of eternity, though. Like, we want immediate gratification now, not later. And David Platt writes, A wisdom in the world measures everything by how it affects you. It's concerned with how you can advance yourself, promote yourself, or assert yourself. When looking at conversations and circumstances, the question at the forefront is always, what can I get out of this? James says this is from the devil. Remember the favoritism James confronted in chapter 2, a favoritism that was driven by nothing but self-centered ambition. People were ignoring the poor because they could not get anything from them. The kind of wisdom is common in the world, and it's common in us, yet we don't even see it. It challenges me. Oftentimes it's easy to cross or check the boxes of what Platt talks about here from time to time, thinking like, what can I get out of this? If it's not worth my time or advancement, then maybe it's not worth doing. That's wisdom from the world. That's selfish ambition. But what about selfless ambition? What if we saw ambition that actually led us to take care of the poor, the hurting, the widows, the orphans, like the challenge in James 1? Like the reason our staff is here today is because our ambition is not to just be old guys and girls being in college still. Um, We're here because we have an ambition that wants to see college students grow in their relationship with Jesus. We want to help you guys be a powerful and pervasive influence for Christ on campus and beyond. That's not motivated from selfish reasoning. It's motivated by Jesus tugging on our hearts to follow him to Terre Haute, Indiana, to be participants of the kingdom of heaven here at Indiana State University, and we want to bring you along with us. We all must set aside our selfish ambition, take up the cause of Christ, which means discerning what is evil and what is good. It takes knowing wisdom that is from the evil one, which we've been talking about, and we're going to talk about wisdom from God here in a second. But if it's not good ambition, James makes it clear that it's from the enemy, and it's demonic. And like I said before, if the enemy can't, send you, can't get you to sin with the obvious, he will tempt you with the not-so-obvious, and James calls it demonic. So we have to be careful. We have to seek wisdom, wisdom from God, which is the next thing. And wisdom from God is driven by striving for shalom. So shalom is that word that means peace, wholeness, perfection, completeness, wellness. Everything is as it should be. Think Garden of Eden and think Garden City and in Revelation. This wisdom is to see things from an eternal perspective, focused on building the kingdom of heaven. This wisdom doesn't just come from like intellectual effort 
or practical experience, but from being with God. Like, they include those things, of course, but effort and experience with God at the center of them. We can know a lot about God and have a lot of ideas that are solid, but unless they come from time spent with God, it may not lead to godly wisdom or God's call for what he wants you to do. To obtain godly wisdom, we have to spend time with God often. In one of the wisdom books in the Old Testament, known as Proverbs, we read this um, in Proverbs 2. My son, if you accept my words, store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright, and he is the shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. That's what I want, and that's what I desire. Wisdom is something we get from spending time with Jesus and seeking it through him, looking for it as if it were like silver and hidden treasure. This kind of life leads us towards experiencing and obtaining God's wisdom. And James gives like this beautiful truth nugget in James 1 that maybe, maybe you remember, uh, hopefully. Uh, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So if we seek godly wisdom with a pure motive, He's going to give it to us. And he says, like, generously, too. As followers of Jesus, we should take up the attitude of Solomon in 1 Kings 3, pre all the other stuff that goes on in Solomon's life, um, when he admitted that he was in deep need of God's help to lead the people of Israel. Solomon loved God. He walked in his instruction. And the Lord appears to him in a dream, and he tells him, like, Solomon, ask for whatever you want. And this is what he responds. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? God honors that call, which is why Solomon is called often the wisest man to live. But very clearly, he had plenty of mistakes if you read through the rest of like the Old Testament in his life because of how easy it is to become focused inwardly and on our will and way, especially when things are going well in our lives. We must not slip away from the way, but always seek God's wisdom. I love this quote from, from John Mark Comer. If you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And going along with, with John Mark's writing in his book called The Spirit of the Disciplines, Dallas Willard says, true Christ-likeness, true companionship with Christ comes at the point where it's not hard to respond as he would. If we seek to truly live like Jesus, and we'll secure a godly wisdom that is pure and peace-loving, and kind, submissive, full of mercy, fruit-producing, impartial, and authentic. 
we who live in this wisdom will be peacemakers who reap a beautiful harvest. Things like Sabbath and solitude, silence, scripture learning, fasting, hospitality, and many other of the disciplines are pathways to draw near to God's heart and seek friendship with him. And as Willard writes, true companionship with Christ comes when it isn't hard to respond as he would. And to make it easier, when people see us, they see Jesus. And so as we end this morning, what wisdom are we leaning into? And like, seriously, think about it. In what ways do I listen to the wisdom of the world and the evil one over the wisdom from God? How can we grow in wisdom that's driven by achieving shalom? I think it means surrender. It means listening to God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom in real time. And we need godly wisdom in this world that displays the qualities found in James 3, 13, 17 through 18. And I think we can be a group who does that. Like, could you imagine what would happen on our campus if the wisdom of God, the lifestyle of Jesus, would define who we are and how much transformation would happen? Things would change. People will change because they discover the hope of Jesus. That he desires them and loves them and values them. The beautiful thing, he uses us as his source of spreading his hope and love into this world. He uses us. Not just one of us, not just a handful of us, but every single one of us. So let's go for that together. Um, Before I pray, I want to spend like 30 seconds on two questions for us to just reflect on and think about as, as we apply James 3 into our lives and, and how it can, can truly like help us even further follow him. And so the first question is, what are one or two ways that I'm following the wisdom of the world that should change in my life? We're human, so we probably all have at least one or two things. And then second, what are ways that I can seek heavenly wisdom this week? Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for James' call to seek wisdom from above, wisdom from you. I pray for all of us, God, just with the challenges it is, the, the, the temptations that arise from the evil one, I pray, God, that we would, we would deflect those, that we would be made aware by your Holy Spirit when, when, when things from the evil one arise, and that we would chase after your, your, your light. Um, in, in the New Testament, we, 
we we have that phrase of like like when when we call on the name of the lord that the that the devil must flee and so god we also hear that that you provide a way from out from temptation and so god i pray that we would we would pray that that we would chase after that that your light would shine through whatever darkness is going in our lives and that we trust you that we believe in you that we know you're going to give us the wisdom we need each day, each moment. I pray that we follow through with that wisdom. It's in your name we pray. Amen.